but they have no idea how much of that money in the bid they actually have to invest in the job necessarily. Hmm. And so we had to figure that out because obviously guys, if you're, if you're a subcontract and you have a 20% margin and 10% retainage and you're paid every 30 days, that project might work. If you have 13% margin and you have 10% retainage and you got to try to run a project on 3% free cash flow, it's going to be hard, man. Like, yeah. And you're not, and you're not an idiot. You're not dumb. You're not stupid. You're trying to do something that's impossible. So like, that's the other thing. There was all these stigmas around construction and negativity and like this. And I was trying to tell people like, look, man, if you fold this cash flow cycle on top of any other industry, they'd all fail. Yeah. Like, can, can you, I used this analogy the other day when I was talking to my buddy, Matt. And I said, like, can you imagine if restaurants went an entire month, okay, served all their customers, bought all the food, paid all the payroll, right. and then invoiced everybody at the end of the month, and then waited 30 days to get paid? I mean, how many restaurants do you think would be around? Yeah, none. None. So, like, but that's what construction is doing. That's, like, the norm. And then on top of that, you have a bunch of people feeling like they're dumb, when there's no way you should feel dumb. So I just felt like I was this, all of a sudden I was this third party that was in the construction world with our team here, but not on either side. And so it was like our duty to sort of explain some of these mistruths or misconceptions just in a more vocal way. Yeah. But we created this cash flow tool and a newsletter. And so I said, you know what, this, this underwriting tool that we have here, this is when we give it to customers and we show them, Oh, hey, look, you're going to be cash flow positive week 18. You only you asked for $300,000. You really only need $175,000. And by the way, you really need fifteen grand a week to cover your labor. If you have supplier terms of 30 days, then we you know, you really only need this money here, here, and here. But by the mm -hmm. way, if your supplier can give you 45 days, you only need 100 grand. And they're like, wow. And they look at this sheet like, seriously? Like, what do you mean? Like, cool. It just, no one ever had that. So what we also learned in that process was when given the information, like that third missing piece, so you had your bid, you knew the schedule, but now you had, you could see it in a sheet in front of you, like incredibly resilient folks, like unreal, knew what buttons to push, had the relationships, could go right to their supplier, could go right to their subs, could negotiate better pricing, better terms. Like all of a sudden they were like empowered with this, this tool. I mean, it's just a spreadsheet, but to That's us- awesome. But it was, you know, it was the missing piece. Yeah, let's just share it. So we put it on our website, created a whole tutorial on how to use it. And we realized that it was really hard for some folks still sometimes to use the Excel sheet, even though we had a tutorial. So what we did was we created, um, a, a, again, everybody knows how to thinking from the customer first. Everybody knows how to fill out their own bid. So what we did was we created a template on our website that you could just take the information from your bid. So that you're answering the questions and then yeah. the software we created spits the spreadsheet out for you. Wow. And then we analyzed it and sent it to them. So I we just said, let's give this to folks. Um, and then over the course of that same period of time, I was doing all these newsletters. And then to your point, Davis, I think you asked this, you know, what did I learn? Well, after COVID two years had gone by, and we we were coming out of that and making loans, and we had some customers, we had some bad too. But we had, all of a sudden there was this whole network of people that 
had developed like and they were all of a sudden pouring back into us and you know, it was the first mm-hmm. time someone came into my dms that wasn't trying to sell me something and said hey man could you help me out i've been yeah. i went on all your webinars i i saw i read all your newsletters i finally have this project that i'm doing boom 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 this this and this i i bid it this way i added my overhead allocation i still won the project like now i need help can you help me with it and i was like oh my gosh it's like first of all it was for a guy who sold his whole life it was mm-hmm. the greatest sales conversation I ever had because it was like there was no warm up. This person they want you to sell me. to them, right? Yeah. yeah, they called me and we were reciting everything I had already said. So they had invested <laughs> hours and hours and hours, right? Learning, and all of a sudden that light bulb went off where, you, like, you know, it comes back around. I'm like, wow, this all just came full circle. You know, it, it was awesome. So you treat somebody right, you educate, you give your best. Yeah. That education builds loyalty and then you still have to have a great product you still have to provide amazing service and a great 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 experience right which we always focused on and do to this day and that's um that's really what the key was and so the book was just another way we over that three-year period we had created so many tools and so many webinars and so many things that you had this giant like vast amount of you go to our youtube channels like where do i even start you know and so what i try to do is create 90 pages of very concise basics like what were the 30 questions we get asked the most Mm. how can i answer them in the most easy simplistic manner that no one's intimidated to read it and ask for it like what is the difference between margin and markup like why is a 10 percent overhead markup and a 10 percent profit markup not the same thing as 20 percent margin It's not like why really most cool. people, yeah. most yeah. people don't realize, you know, they don't realize that. So I answer that. How do you calculate the two? Well, how do I add my overhead in here? What is overhead? Well, overhead is all these items, you know, so basics. And then the tools that we've already created in here in a format that you can just see, understand the concept, have the source to use, understand the next concept, have the source to use and put it in the most concise manner and then push it out. So to us, it's just another tool instead of a webinar or instead of a podcast or my face on another talking video, it's just a guide and a tool that you use. That's that. Right. Well, for Scott, try to explain that to someone. So Walker and I had a construction finance class. I don't know if you remember it, Walker, but um, I took parts and pieces of it. That's the big part. That's right. Dr. Holly, the big, the part I took, I took from that is, the terms and um, just the cash flow of um, most people don't realize in our industry how long it takes for people to get paid. And so just kind of, I know you mentioned that, but talk about that and try to explain it to someone that doesn't know. I know a lot of people know what cash flow management is, but they don't understand really what it takes to be able to adequately cash flow the job. And so just talk about that. I know from a general contractor, it's different, but for a subcontractor, why is that so hard for a subcontractor to actually have the appropriate amount of cash flow per month. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it in an example sake. So I use this common example to take a million dollar subcontract for any trade. It could be electrical, plumbing, steel, structure, site work, whatever it is. They're really the math's all the same almost on every every one of these. Right. So a million dollar job, and let's say you have a 20% margin. So I'll be the subcontractor. You know, I got $800,000 of cost. I'm going to I got, I'm going to make $200,000 when the project's all done. I've been paid all my retainers and everything's done. 
that's the first thing you have to realize is you're not going to make 200 grand until you actually have the 200 grand, <laughs> you know, that's Fair. first. And then the second thing is that 800,000 is awesome. But if it's a five month project, how much of that 800,000 do I actually have to spend of my own money and invest into the job before that million comes off the job mm -hmm. that I can start paying for those expenses? And that's really a function of a few different things. One, what's your labor cost or how much of that 800 is labor versus material? What are your terms with your suppliers and vendors, your supplier vendors or equipment vendors? Do you have subcontract labor that's paid when paid or is this all direct labor? Do you have um, terms with that you're getting paid in 30 days? What if that gets pushed to 45 days? Mm. You know, are you going to order your material at the first of the month? Or are you going to climb it like today where you better get your order in now for materials and kind of sort of go at risk and sort of lock, mm -hmm. not only lock your pricing in, but you got to bring it in. Mm -hmm. If you get financing on this, are you calculating the cost of that financing into your margin? And what is your overhead? You know, all these things you have to know if you're going to adequately do that job. Otherwise, you literally are winging it. And unfortunately, a lot of people just wing it because it's the way they do it. And, you know, candidly, they're it's incredible how many people wing it and actually do jobs, finish them and are successful. Cause I'm telling you right now, if people knew general contractors knew developers know, which I know they don't because I've talked to the developers, I have no clue what <laughs> subcontractors going through. Yeah. Um, they would, they would, they'd be scared to death. They spend all their time trying to risk mitigate against wrong things. If you actually knew what the sub was doing on the job to make this work, you'd be terrified. Hmm. And so what happens is you take that $800,000 and if you, you know, if let's just make easy math. Let's just say half of it is labor and half of it is material, just for simple, simple math. Right. Let's say you got to order all the material up front. Uh, well, what if you get the material on site, you can invoice for it. Okay. Well, that's not bad if you could do that, right? If that's the case. What if you set your schedule of values up though, where it's, it's all based on percent complete. Hmm. So you could get, let's say you got $400,000 of material on the site. You order it the 1st of March. It gets there the 1st of March. Okay, let's just say it lands and is ordered at the same time. Perfect. The best possible scenario, right? <laughs> and you have 30-day terms with your supplier. Well, you have to pay that supplier now on April 1st. Well, you can't invoice that 400 grand worth of material till the end of March. In a perfect world, you can invoice all of it because it's, quote, stored material and on-site, right? That means now you're not getting paid for that end of March. It's due April 1st. You're not going to get paid till really April 30th. It's going to for sure leak into May. We all know that. So now you're at May 7th. So you ordered on March 1st. You got to pay for it April 1st because you have 30-day terms. Let's say you have 45-day terms. That's April 15th. You're not paid three weeks more than that. And that's in the best scenario where you can invoice for material stored. Yeah. Mm. Okay, you still have a, to fill a three week gap of 400 grand. And we're only talking about material, forget the labor portion. Mm. Let's say you have the schedule of values built where it's all percent complete. What if you only get half of that material in the quote unquote complete phase? Okay, well, now you still have to finance that 400 grand for three weeks because you can only invoice 200,000 of it. Okay, the two hundred thousand comes in. You still have two hundred thousand. You got to finance a whole other cycle. Yeah, mm. that's crazy. And that's it. And, and you know what? Plus your labor cost. 
Yeah. Plus you, and that's before we even calculate labor. So, right. so let's just, and and how many people and you're feel, doing other jobs too. That's right. Yeah. How many people feel sorry for you? No. Zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the GC actually in the office is going to make it a spreadsheet and highlighting how much you and actually counting what your markup is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then now here's the worst part. And this is the part that I think is kind of unfair. Then on May 7th, in my example, you haven't been paid yet. You've been financing this thing. And the GC tells you, you got to give me a final lien waiver paid before I pay you. You're yeah. like, dude, I've I've already bridged this gap. I don't have an extra 400000 to right. pay before you pay me. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like holding hostage here. And so... It, it, and that's of course one way to do it. There's other ways, and of course, there's no, there's no, there's a million ways you could join check. You could do a lot of different things, but nonetheless, it's still on the burdens on the sub in that case. Yeah. And and it's a lot of times just because they haven't just thought through some of the the way the cash flow cycle. Yeah. So, the difference maker is there is what if you order that material on the last day of the month, or the G set GC said, hey, instead of March first, hey, put your put your get your material on here March first. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let you bill for it in February. That's gonna at least get you one month ahead, right? If you had the foresight to think of that as a sub, and you also are open to communicate yeah. that with your GC, and right. you're also not afraid that that's gonna make you quote look bad. You're just like, hey, dude, this is good business. Like, let me put this invoice in because yeah. I'm gonna get it here. You know, you don't have to pay for it till you're paid anyway. But this is gonna help me, and here's how. By the way, look at this project cash flow tool. Let me show you the difference and what it does to help me in terms of cash flowing it. Those are the kind of things that make a difference. And then Davis, you hit the nail on the head. That's before labor. You still have to float the labor. And then Walker, you hit the other nail. That's be- that's just one project. Yeah. Now let me tell you about the banking side. How many banks or traditional financing sources want to give the kind of capital or access to capital to commercial subcontractors to finance these kind of transactions? Yeah. Hmm. None. The same amount of people that feel guilty or feel bad on the project for them is the same right, amount right. of banks that are standing in line saying, hey, let me finance that transaction for you. So it's really hard, man. And it's and and you, yet you have this like community where folks want to make the contractor and sometimes even the GC. They want to they, subs think GCs are flush with cash, which is not fair or true. They also think GCs are holding all their money. That's not true. And, and sometimes GCs think that subs are cheating them or they got too much markup in the material yeah, yeah. or whatever. And, you know, I tell them all the time, I said, tell them you marked the material out, dude. Tell them what you had to do to, for that $400,000 of material, what it actually cost you. Tell them, yeah, hell yeah, I marked it up. I got you. I'm still losing right. money on it, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Sorry, that's John. It. Yeah. So I mean, that's in a nutshell, just like, that's just where that's, that's my best way to explain what the problem is. And so the solution is using these tools, arming yourself with the information so that if I'm coming to one of you guys as a subcontractor and I'm sitting in the trailer, I just won the job and we're, you know, we're buying it out and you guys are negotiating. I'm saying, look, guys, like you, you want a discount. Out of the, yeah. If you you want to give me a deposit up front or here's here's what this here's how I have to cash flow this project right here. You know, obviously you remove your margin, but like, look, this is how much I have to invest in this project before I. Breaking these are just my costs. Yeah. Like, if you can help me with some of these problems, and yeah, I might be able to give you a discount because I might actually end up making more money. You know, if I can. So you got to, but you got to have the tools, the information, and then you got to have the confidence to walk in proud and not worry about 
looking weak or something like that because you're you're armed with your information. And then, Dave, that comes that comes being a lifetime learner. If you arm yourself with this information, you're going to walk in there sounding solid. Yeah, it's an amazing opportunity for that sub to be to come out of that trailer and the GCs will look at each other and be like, "We're going to give that dude more jobs, man. That was solid. That dude knows yeah. his stuff." No, I I think you uh you have a lot of you just spit out a lot of information that any sub listening, I mean, they need to retain that immediately right. and GC. And what's crazy is I'm not going to say the company, but there, you know, I learned about this cause I was, I did this type of work before now, but there is a company out there who has 360 day terms, which just blows my mind. I mean, you have oh, to be, no. you have to be a company that is just flush with cash in order to, <laughs> To work for for companies like that it's not n- barely any companies do that but 360 days crazy i just want to bring that up like that's now that you learning what you just learned that's insane but mm-hmm. you know scott talk, before we're about to we're about to close out and ask our final two questions but before that what would you say to let's say a, a brand new subcontractor who just started they just got their first job right or maybe second job and they want to have a long career, but that's the one thing they're worried about. What would you tell them and what advice would you give them? That's easy. Figure out who you want to be. Don't take any jobs that you don't take a job just to try to get in with somebody. Mm. Take a job, know what your costs are. If you have to bid five times the amount of projects to get those jobs, yeah, trust me you're going to be a better business to get that job. That's the first thing. The second thing is you need to make, and this goes along with the first, you need to make your top priority performance, not price. If you try to win jobs on price, now God, granted, we're not talking about um, federal low bid work, right? Because we all know that's, that's not the case, right? But, yeah. And you probably shouldn't be bidding that if you're starting out anyway. Kill because, them change orders in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a horrendous strategy. We yeah. can go into a whole other... St- piece on that but to answer your question performance is the most important thing you should focus on and in order to perform you have to have good cash flow in order to perform you need to make money in order to perform you have to pour into your standards within your company your core values your safety standards you need to talk about that you need to be present about that you need to have an abundance mentality like yeah i'm going to come in here and i'm going to crush this job and let me tell you guys why walker davis you guys listening I'm awesome at this. And let me tell you why I'm awesome. Because I take care of my people. I pay them well. I trained them all. They're all going to be safe. When you guys give me this scope of work, you're going to want to give me the next scope of work because I'm going to knock this out. I might not be the cheapest, but you're not going to have to worry about me. And you go be that gopher boy on that job just like I was pulling things. Make their job easier and figure out how you can help all the other subs. If you do that, you no one's going to, no one's going to ask you about your price. They're going to be like, how can I do that job without Walker and Davis. Like I can't, I, I got to have them. You know what? We're doing this. You're a steel contractor. You're like, you know what? It's too risky for me to risk doing any structural steel without Davis. I'm not doing it. He, it's his company. I got to do it that way. So we'll go, we'll go negotiate harder for yeah. everyone else. Davis came in about 5% higher than I thought. We got to, we got to buy out these guys, other guys for 5%. And that's how it goes. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Scott, if you were to encourage someone to come into our industry, what are some qualities you think they should have? Well, the first thing I would tell them is you can do anything you want in this industry. You can start off peeling stickers and you can turn it into a CFO or CEO. Like <laughs> that's the coolest part about construction, yeah. man. He's speaking from the truth. That's right. I mean, you, you can literally, 
you can literally inside construction. It's one of the few industries you can literally do anything you want. You can run an amazingly huge business where you don't even ever step on a construction site, you know, and all you're doing is sitting in an ivory tower at the highest executive level, or you could be learning leadership and management for small teams, big teams. You can create your own small business. There's so many things to do in there that you just won't get bored. Um, that's first. And then I would say that, you know, if you think you have to go to college to make a lot of money and be happy, you you, you don't. And if you want to get on the job training in any aspect, we think about like finance, operations, just entrepreneurial type skills, or just an actual trade, you can really do it inside construction as good or better than any other industry I could think of. Mm-hmm. And way better than most that you'd actually go to college for, candidly. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you're going to learn skills way faster, way quicker. You're going to have, in my personal opinion, more people are genuinely out to try to show you the way or help you um, and then, than other industries. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the one reason that is, is every on a construction site, at the end of the day, what everybody cares about from the developer to the GC, to the bank that's financing it, to down to every subcontractor is they want to see that project be successful and perform, Mm -hmm. including guys like us. And why we built our lending program around the performance of the project is because if our incentives are attached to everyone else's incentives, then everyone can row in the same direction and you're not incongruent. And so those are the things I think are coolest about construction. And you get a great sense of accomplishment, um, in finishing what you start, you know, it's like you get a good, you can really do that. It's hard to do that in other jobs. It was really hard for me in the med device industry. And people used to say, oh, it must have been awesome, man. It's like glorified. Well, yeah, if you're in the top 10%, it's glorified. I was I was fortunate enough to be there for a long, most of my career. But you know what? There's a bottom 10% that makes no money in, in med device sales. And there's a middle that doesn't make much, you know, and it's hard. So um, I, I think I think those are the things that really resonate to me in the construction world. And the pivots that you can make from construction into other industries are far better stepping stones mm-hmm. to come from with more welcoming arms, if you ever did want to leave it, than trying to pivot from other industries. Yeah, no, that I, I think that's fantastic advice for anyone listening. So, Scott, with you, you mentioned it, right? You've been through a lot of different industries. You've been through a lot of different roles, uh, a lot of different areas in your life. What knowing what you know now, what would you go and tell your 20 year old self? Well, first I would tell you, start reading, man, start reading. Number one, Good. pour into your brain. Um, give first, don't take second, wherever you give, it's not coming back typically from that exact spot. So don't expect it to, it'll come from somewhere else. I might help Davis. And I don't even know you, Walker. And the next two days, something comes back to me from Walker or two years from now. Um, I would tell myself that everything happens for me, not to me, despite how painful it is. I would tell myself to choose the hard path instead of the easy path every single time because you get so much better out of what the hardest thing is. If you're trying to choose what to do, take the hardest thing that it is and take that path every time especially when you're 20, (laughs) particularly in your 20s, because you have plenty of time to keep learning. And then, um, you know, I didn't have any quit in me, but there's a a mentor of mine, Andy Frasilla says this best. He's like, there's two things are most important. Don't ever quit, ever. 
And when you touch the hot stove, don't touch it again. Meaning <laughs> learn from your lessons, you know, right. if you do those two things, yeah, time to time takes care of the rest. That's good. Man, Scott, that, that was awesome. Seriously. I mean, I, I'm still having to process all that you, the knowledge that you just gave us in that hour. Uh, that was, that was incredible, but we really appreciate you jumping on and sharing a little bit about your book. Uh, and hopefully we can have you on again sometime and talk more about cash flow. I think we barely scratched the surface scratched of it. it. And I'm sure there's a lot more people out there who would like to learn a little bit more about it for sure. That's right. I'd love to. Well, I appreciate you guys a lot. Um, all of, all of these cash flow tools and everything and and a whole other 30 minutes on just cash flow or on our YouTube channel or our website. Uh, hopefully somebody got. Yeah, where, where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me on my personal LinkedIn, Scott Peeper. Um, most of my content or anything I talk about tends to come through there primarily. Um, and then secondarily is our, our YouTube channel, which is mobilization funding as well. Any webinar, any podcast, any, any, anything we do ends up on our YouTube channel. And there are a ton of resources in there, including all those ones with the bankers and the sureties and What's awesome. what's bid bonds? I mean, anything that's related to construction. If you're in construction and there's a question that you're afraid to ask, I promise you, it's probably right. on there with a really good source of someone that I brought on. Um, and and then on our, on our website, mobilizationfunding.com, we have a great resources page where you can find all these things, including the book. Um, you can actually buy the book on Amazon now. I hated Amazon for a lot of years. <laughs> Not because of the book, but they proved that, you know, they got this little monopoly. So you, I, you can buy it through our publisher, which is directly through our website. And then you there's a link on there. Or as of yesterday, you can actually go on Amazon awesome. and purchase the book. They didn't turn awesome. the button off. So good. that's it. I saw that. It, it Something yeah. happened where the button wasn't working. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what it is, man? If you, Bottom line, here's the truth. If you don't publish the book through Amazon, they're going to cause you pain. That's yeah. where, that's it. That's mm. We could come up with all the stories. And all the reasons, by the end of the day, that's what it is. Well, I'm glad it's working now. Um, yeah. We thought that maybe Scott just sold out that quick. I did. They just didn't <laughs> have that many copies. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, Scott, Scott, we appreciate your you, time. You're welcome, guys. I enjoyed it. And I'll be happy to come back anytime. It was a great conversation. You guys are very easy to talk to. Oh, thank you.